Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Father, we do. We thank you. We praise you. Father, thank you that through Jesus Christ, you washed us white as snow. Lord, that it was the blood of Jesus that was satisfactory to you to take care of sins, past, present, and future. There is no other sacrifice necessary because Jesus has paid it all. Father, we give you the honor and the glory tonight. We praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and get started on our Bible study here. So the worship team, you guys can go ahead and sit. Um, and we're going to get into the Word tonight. Um, I had it on my heart to uh, um, start, well, do a two-part series moving into this, this Easter season. Uh, because we won't, or this, the Easter season, I guess, that we're in, but this Easter Sunday coming up, because we won't obviously be able to meet at this point uh, as a group. And I wanted to just, I had it on my heart to actually just go through some of the chapters that um, lead up to and then through the chapter where Jesus is actually crucified and then raised from the, from the dead found in the Gospel of John. And so I wanted to do that this evening. And I want to start... Um, Actually, in John chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open them up where you're at, we're going to go to John chapter 13, and I'm going to begin there. Um, and we're not going to be able to get through all of this. The, there's, a, there's a progression here from John chapter 13 all the way through John chapter 21. I believe it's 21, where Jesus is actually raised from the dead and giving some final instructions to uh, his disciples and to his followers, and I'm not going to be able to get through all of it because I only have two two times to be able to teach this, and uh, there's just not enough time in those services to get all the way through it. But what I'd recommend to you to do this week, um, because it is the week of the Passion Week for Christ and everything that took place last Sunday, of course, is considered Palm Sunday, and uh, we we looked uh, we opened with a scripture on that, and that went into our series on the Secret Place. But just read over the, this, this portion in John, from John chapter 13 all the way to John chapter 21. And do it, you know, if you have a regular Bible reading that you're doing, uh, do that first and then, then break into this. It will be, it will be good um, and it will help you during this season. There's so many good truths. I was reading after a, a, a book uh, by a particular minister, uh, actually his name is Rick Renner, and he wrote a book on... Um, on the passion of Christ and the price that he paid, um, that Jesus paid for us. And he was going through, uh, not in detail, but over different portions of the week leading up to where Jesus was crucified. And one of the statements that he made was simply this. If you knew you were going to die, what kind of things would you tell those who were closest to you? And I thought, man, that's a really good statement. So I, I from, kind of launched from there and decided I'll do a couple of messages uh, with that in mind. What did Jesus say? Jesus knew that he was leaving. He knew that he was going to heaven. Now, he knew that he was going to have to go through the cross. And he knew 
that he was going to be um, uh, crucified, that he would be buried, that he would be, he'd be going to hell for us and he would be raised from the dead. But he also knew that his disciples were going to be going through a period of time where he wasn't going to be around. At least for three days, everything was going to get chaotic. And so he expressed certain truths to them that were not only for them in that time frame, in that time period, but then also truths that I believe as you read through these chapters, you see, you see much of the revelation of the epistles uh, in them. And uh, it's very exciting to me. And so this will kind of be a verse-by-verse thing. And uh, remember, we're believing God for utterance. We're believing God for, for revelation here. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So I'd encourage you right now, if you are, um, uh, uh, if you are trying to do too many things at once, uh, put everything else down and just get your Bible out. And people say, well, I got my Bible on my phone. That's fine as long as you don't scroll to Facebook. I mean, wait, you're on Facebook. <laughs> No, it's fine as long as you don't scroll through Facebook, if you can do that. But, um, but I recommend you break out, you know, the actual book and, uh, and look at the scriptures and uh, go through them uh, with me uh, so that faith can come while you're listening and you'll hear and it'll be good for you. So let's go to John chapter 13 and we'll begin there. So with this idea... And the title of these messages is The Price He Paid. The Price He Paid. And this will be today and it will be Sunday as well. The Price He Paid. And uh, we're going to start in John chapter 13. And I have a, a several thoughts that I want to look at that I feel like the Lord gave me. Um, so this will be, be verse by verse as we go through it. I don't have, you know, large bullet points in this or anything like that, but they'll be verse by verse. And I'm just going to comment as the Lord gives me uh, things on it and things that he gave me earlier as I was writing this out and preparing for this message. But John chapter 13, kind of give you the background here. Um, Jesus' love for God and humanity before the cross is demonstrated all through his ministry in the Gospels. But we see here in John 13 a great example in the Last Supper before his betrayal by Judas, and the abandonment by the disciples. And I I put after that, oh, the price that he paid. So the series is called, or these these two messages is called, The Price He Paid. And, And I want you to think in terms of not just the cross, not just the crucifixion up to the cross, but everything that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was was something that he gave to us in his words. Yes, of course, in the cross. The cross is, I mean, you cannot emphasize enough the importance of the cross and the blood that was shed. But do you do realize this, that blood was shed in the Garden of Gethsemane? Blood was shed when he was hit in the face. Blood was shed when he was whipped and beaten at the post. Blood was shed when he carried that cross. Blood was shed when they crushed that crown of thorns on his head. Blood wasn't just shed at the actual crucifixion where he was hung on the cross on on Golgotha. It was shed all along the way. The whole time, all of that blood like we've read before in our uh, communion passage, but that blood was crying out for better things than that of Abel. It wasn't crying out for revenge. It was crying out for mercy. It was crying out compassion. It was crying out grace. It was crying out God saying, I want my people back. I want my creation back. And so we need to think 
you know, broad, I want you to think broad picture here, not just narrowed down into one area. There's a time to narrow down. Um, but for what we're doing here, I want you to think broad. Think, think, allow the Holy Spirit to take your mind and apply these truths to every area of your life. See how they could settle in and you can learn from them and, be, and even at a greater level, maybe for the first time, or even at a greater level if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, how to apply these truths to your life so that you can see a manifestation greater and greater of heaven on the earth, which is what we're having here at the church, and I know you're having it in your life too. So I want you to think that way. Don't just think narrow. And then sometimes, you know, because uh, this is real common right now with uh, the COVID-19, people think, well, you know, do you have a, a, a prophetic word? You know, do you have it? Well, first of all, I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor. Um, that doesn't mean I can't, I don't, can't prophesy because the Lord has said many things about it. I can tell you this. In our corporate prayer time on Tuesday, we turned a corner. And it's turning. And God's going to do and is doing some amazing things um, and will continue to. But the word of the Lord is the scriptures. You know, sometimes people are like, well, I got to grab hold on to this prophecy. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If it's truly from the Lord. But you know, the written word is still just as powerful as it's ever been. And it's not going to change. And you may say, well, you, are you saying you don't believe in prophets? No, don't take it too far now. I believe in prophets. I believe in all the fivefold ministry gifts. I believe that they all function and have a purpose. But I also know that as a pastor, um, you know, the written word is just as effective if you never had a prophetic word. It will work. And people say, well, how can you say that? Because the written word is a prophetic word. <laughs> so, so, you know, sometimes people think, well, I need the, you know, the goosebumps. Look, the goosebumps can be double parked, but they're just goosebumps. You, you cannot determine whether you're in faith or not by how you feel. Faith comes by hearing. It's a conviction. It's a knowing on the inside. So I can just tell you by a knowing on the inside that according to uh, what the Lord has spoken to us here, that James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 is taking place. We are going through this counting it all joy, and we are coming out perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's what's happening for us here. Now, I can't speak to all the churches because that's not my call. My call is to hear and to those that the Lord has put under uh, this, this ministry that he sees fit as an under-shepherd uh, in his kingdom. But I can speak to the, to the domain and the area that he's given me, and that's what this is right here. So if you stick with us and you just stay with the word, we'll not only have those prophetic words and, and those words will come out in the message, but you'll have the surety of the written word established firm in your heart, and you'll be able to walk through storm after storm. I can just tell you right now, I hear testimonies all the time out of our body here at Faith Family Church where people have applied the word and testimony after testimony that storms come through and they are not moved. And it's just a powerful, wonderful thing because the word of God never fails. Jesus always responds to faith. So John chapter 13, verse number one says this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is powerful. This is very powerful. So Jesus knows. What does he know? 
We see it here. We know that he knows his hour has come. And what is the hour that he knows has come? He knows his hour to depart from this world. Notice where he's going. To the Father. Oh, this is good words right here. I'm so excited about these words. You say, why are you so excited about those words? Because if Jesus can say, he knew the hour he was leaving, and he knew he was departing to the Father, you can say it too. <laughs> I love this. You know, we, and you say, why is this pertinent to where we're at? How is this prophetic? Because I, I see on the news... And, I, and, and how does it apply scripturally to where we're at? Because I see on the news and hear on the news all these uh, news anchors that want to report about how people who have COVID-19 are dying all alone. I will never die alone. You say, well, what if your family wasn't near you? Stop that fear. Even if they're not, one greater than my family is near. And I know where I'm going. I'm going right to the Father. I'm not going to purgatory. Sorry. Well, I'm not really sorry about that. But I'm not going there because I've received Christ. I don't have to pay for anything that I've done because Jesus paid it all. And I, my trust is not in my works. It's in His grace. And I am never alone. You people say, well, you could feel alone. I didn't say I didn't have feelings. I said, by faith, I am never alone. Besides that, the reality, the revelation of the word of God can become so infected into your soul that you don't even have to feel alone. God can wrap you with his spirit so tight that you won't even be thinking about the family members that aren't there. You say, what is that? I've been delivered from the fear of death and bondage. So we see here, Jesus, and this is wonderful. You say, what's this got to do with the price he paid? He's not even thinking about himself. This is so powerful. Look at the love of God and the selflessness of Jesus where he was not even thinking about himself, the sacrifice, the price that he paid for us. It says this, he knew that he was going to die. Now think about this. He knows he's going to die. If you knew you were going to die, what does your flesh want to do? What do, what do you think his flesh wanted to do? We know from the Garden of Gethsemane that his flesh did not desire to die, that any flesh recoils from death. But in the midst of that, he by faith says, no, and, and not only do I know when I'm going to die, but I know I'm going to the Father. And then he says this, having loved his own who, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What does that mean? Well, I can say this, the price he paid with his last breath, Father, forgive them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you get much more gooder than that. That is loving us to the end. Now, that wasn't even the end. That was just the last words we heard. Then he died and went to hell for me. That's loving me to the end. Thank God he had faith in the words that were spoken to believe his father to be raised from the dead three days. I'm so thankful I don't have to go through this for my salvation. I mean, the level of faith, the level of expression, the price that he paid 
we really don't know the fullness of it all. We can by faith say, yeah, he paid it all, but we don't know the fullness of it. So he loved them to the end. And then we see in verse 2, and supper being ended, the devil, I mean, no, the devil's real, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. So where, what was in Jesus' hands at this point? So we know he, he's, he knows he's going to the Father. We know that he has full love for all of his disciples and all of us until the end. We know in verse 2 that, he, that, that Judas had already yielded to the devil. Now, Judas was not demon-possessed or Satan-possessed at this point. Judas actually had just received the thought, the idea, I'm going to betray Jesus. Now, here's a person that had walked with Jesus, and yet he refused Jesus all along. Jesus gave him so many opportunities to repent, but he refused to do it. And then we see in verse 3, there's this progression happening. We see in verse 3 that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, so he had a knowing that God had placed everything in his hands. That wor- those words, his hands to me, this shows me free will. Jesus had free will to not do what God wanted. People say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, we'll see it later. In, when we get to the Garden of Gethsemane, we'll see where Jesus prayed, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I don't know about you, but to me, that says there's two different wills going on. And that's scriptural. But Jesus had made up his mind. Why, why, how, could he, how could God put all things in Jesus' hands? How could he put all of humanity in Jesus' hands? Because he knew Jesus would love them to the end. Jesus, you, you say, what would that mean? That would mean that Jesus, what? No greater love is any man than this, than he lay down his life for another. God knew that Jesus would fulfill to the very end. The full plan of redemption because the love that was in Jesus was the love that was in the Father, which was the love from the beginning of creation. They knew the end from the beginning. It had already been planned out long before, and we talked about this in free will in our last series, but long before we ever got on the planet and screwed this entire thing up, Jesus had a fix in from the beginning before the foundation of the world. And so we see here in verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, which is all humanity, it's everything. And that he had come from God and was going to God. I love that. I love that. I don't know about you, but I came from God and I'm going to him. I'm going back to you say it's a guarantee. Well, everybody came from God. Every human came from God. But it's not a guarantee that every human goes back to God. That's up to you. That's a matter of free will. That's a matter of choice. God's will is that you go back to him. But you have to make your will submit to his. I don't know about you, but I submit. I say, Lord, you do it. Uh, you do it your way, I'm doing it your way. Your way is better. I tried it my way. It hurt really bad. I quit. I give it over to you, less pain. There's already enough junk in this world without having my own arrogance, ignorance, and pride killing me and working with the devil killing me along the way. And so he's going back to the Father. So look at this now. 
Jesus, all this is on him. He knows he's going to die. He knows where he's going. He knows who's going to betray him. But look what Jesus does here. Verse 4. Jesus rose from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. Now listen to this. Laid aside his garments. We're going verse by verse here. Laid aside. We're in, we're in John 13 verse 4. That's for Kylie because she wonders sometimes what verse I'm in. So John 13 verse 4. Laid aside his garments. The phrase laid aside is the same word as in John 10 verse 11 where Jesus gives his life or lays down his life for the sheep. So this is a prophetic picture of what's about to take place. Jesus is laying aside his garment. In other words, this is a picture from God saying, Jesus is saying, I'm laying aside myself to serve you. Now, we're going to see this in greater detail as we read. But the, the reader should not miss uh, the significance of the connection between these acts. Verse 5. So, John 13, 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now, think about this. The price, this is the title of the message, the price he paid. Think about this. He, he is washing the feet of Judas. He is washing the feet of the man who is going to sell him out to death for no reason. No reason. And what's Jesus doing? He's washing his feet. Why? To fulfill God's call. You know, I read this and I think about this. Talk about forgiveness. Would you or I wash the feet of the one who you know is going to yield to your arch enemy? Jesus knows Judas is going to yield to Satan himself. And that he's going to have, and Jesus is going to be crucified. He's going to be killed out of this deal. People say, yeah, Jesus, yeah. What offense did Jesus commit worthy of crucifixion? Was it all the blind people he healed? Was it all the people that he healed that never followed him ever again? Was it all the people he forgave? Was it the, the, uh, was it the prostitute that he showed? Is that, was, that the, was that worthy of death? The prostitute that he showed mercy to and didn't allow to be stoned? See, Jesus didn't reap what he sowed. He reaped what I sowed. <laughs> and this is what people need to understand. This is the price he paid. He paid a price. You say... You know, and I, I know that uh, God will allow to happen what we choose as a judge. You know, people say, well, did God cause COVID-19? No, we're in the planet. You know, uh, God didn't make Adam and Eve eat of the fruit. But he did assess the thing and opened up what was chosen. You say, why did he open it up? Because we have authority. We opened it up. 
We have free will. We can choose. So even with the COVID-19, you say, what should we be praying? Let's believe God that his mercy floods through those that are afflicted by it. And that they're healed and delivered and set free. Let's believe God that mercy goes out to them and, and we show mercy to them. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. And you say, well, yeah, but, but, but don't people get what they deserve? Well, they reap what they sow. <laughs> so I guess in a sense, but in a de- to a degree, no, if you yield to grace. And now, if you're going to do it without God, you'll, you'll reap what you sow. But if you're going to yield to God, you'll reap what he sowed. <laughs> this is what I love about grace. You say it's not dependent on me. No, it's dependent on what Jesus did and your trust in him. The only dependence, that, the only significance, the only, the only uh, real connection or thing that is, that is uh, uh, pressed upon you is to choose to yield to the one who set you free already. You know, Jesus doesn't have to die for you again. He doesn't have to take stripes for your healing again. He doesn't have to go through and, and, and bleed again so that you can be forgiven. It, the Bible says it is finished. It's already done. You can have it now. It's so powerful. So he, here we see that he pours out water. And what does he do? He washes the disciples' feet. Before Jesus leaves, he wants to express to his disciples the full extent of his love. In this foot washing scene, we see the act of love in anticipation of his suffering on the cross for them. It is an extremely humbling act of self-giving love. The expression of this love also calls for affirming humility through modeling and handling betrayal. He's washing Judas' feet. He's going to be betrayed. Not only that, but Peter denies him. And the scripture says that the shepherd will be uh, struck, that the father would strike the shepherd, and the sheep would scatter. And these are all men that said, oh no, we'll go, to, we'll go to death with you, Jesus. And yet they scattered. You know, I think sometimes we have great intentions, but we need to spend more time with the Lord because he, he might tell us, well, you ought to wait on that a little bit because you're just not there yet spiritually. Now, it's not that you can't get there, especially now after the cross, but... We need to realize where we're at. Another significant thing here in in conjunction with uh, the laying aside of his garments was the pouring out of water. Pouring out of water is a type of Jesus laying down his life for us. There's an emptying of a vessel. Do you see that? There's the emptying. Water is a type of life. And, and, of course, a pitcher is a vessel. We're vessels. We have life in us. Jesus was a vessel. He had the life of God in him. So it was a type of him being poured out, his life being poured out for us. And then he was washing the disciples' feet with that water. It's just so awesome, so type and shadow of what's about to take place. Verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. This is the part of the price. This is part of the price that Jesus paid. I know in my life, when I have read and thought about the price Jesus paid for me, it has been mostly with the cross in mind. But the truth of the matter is that that Jesus gave up every day of his earthly ministry for me. 
Everything Jesus did in his earthly ministry was a sacrifice for my redemption. From the teaching, to the miracles, to the cross, and the resurrection. In other words, Jesus said this to Peter, and this is where this statement comes from. What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. I can safely say today, 23 years after now that I've been saved, serving the Lord, loving God, uh, going after Him with my life, 23 years later, I know more today and understand more today than I did 23 years ago. I do not understand the back. Slider. I call you home, but I'm telling you, you have not found something greater. There is nothing great. The more understanding I get, I, you, the more, the deeper the relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no drug, and I've tried them. There is no alcohol, and I've done them. There is no perversion, and I've been involved in them. There is no Nothing the world has that can compare with the supernatural resurrection power of Jesus Christ that has been made available to us through fellowship and faith in the Holy Spirit with the living God by the price that he paid nothing greater. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me. I fellowship with my Father in heaven at the altar, at the covenant seat daily. It reminds me of that old song, and I don't, I'm not going to sing it because it's not my job. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, but reminds me of that song, Oh, How He Walks With Me, Oh, How He Talks With Me. Every, every day we talk. You know what's amazing about the Lord? Even when I've had a stinky attitude, He's talked to me. And I'm not just saying He just rebuked me. There are times He's rebuked me. But... He talked to me in just love and just talked me right out of it. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. You may not understand the Lord and what he's doing in your life right now. But if you trust him, you'll understand it. Don't quit. Verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall, you shall never wash my feet. Uh, he said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. How many know you repent then? If you say to the Lord, no, you're never going to do this to me, Lord. The Lord says, if I don't, you have no part of me. You go, yes, Lord, I was wrong. Wash me. Wash my feet. Now, Peter takes it too far. Because Jesus started out, I love Peter because I'm a lot like him. I jump out way ahead, and then the Lord has to say, okay, come back, come back, come back. And so, but I'm getting better. Verse 9 says, Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. In other words, what is Peter doing? Peter is just saying, look, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'm all in now, you know. And then verse 10 says this. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11, for he knew who would betray him. And yet he washed his feet. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Jesus knew Judas would betray him, still washed his feet. This is a prophetic picture for today. Jesus paid the price for every person who has betrayed him. You may be watching. Maybe you'll watch this later. I don't know when. But you may say, I betrayed Jesus. He'll never take me back. He's washed your feet. You can come back. He'll cleanse you with his blood. He'll cleanse you with his blood. It's powerful. Verse 12, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, in other words, he put them back on, and sat down again, 
he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Now, these are the words we need to pay attention to right here. Jesus explains in the next few verses exactly what he has done to them. And it applies to us today. You know, I circled this in my notes. I put, this is important. Do you know what I have done to you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord and you say well. In other words, you're right. I am. Jesus is our teacher and our Lord. Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Wow. Jesus is about to die. He's leaving the planet. He's, this is part of the price he paid. What did he say? If I'm your Lord, if I'm your teacher, you love the way I love. Now, I love this because this is very important. And this is something we need to see, especially uh, during this season, during this time, especially among the church. Because what does he say here? He says, if I then your teacher and Lord have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. This is a scripture to the church, not to the world. It's to the church. The church is not supposed to be fighting. People say, well, we're standing against, you know, this disease and this and that and the other, and we're exercising our spiritual authority. I agree with all of that. But if we're not walking in love, our faith is powerless. It's through faith and love that we inherit the promises. And I'll just say this, and this is not an exact quote, but you can tie this all together in Scripture. It's through faith and love that our prayers, our rebukings, our speakings, our declarations against the enemy are effective. It's how we inherit. We need to know this. Not just acknowledge it here, but actually walk in love. And people say, you, you mean I have to touch someone's feet? <laughs> you know, I know people. I have a good friend of mine. He, feet gross him out. And, and he just is grossed out. About and this is a typical thing of the culture they were in. So I don't think, and, and I'll read this later and it will bring a great sense of relief to that person if they're watching right now. But this is more of a, a cultural thing because you got to think about what they were walking in in that day. They didn't have paved streets. They didn't have shoes that covered the whole foot necessarily. They wore sandal type shoes. And they're, they didn't have... Um, they didn't have uh, uh, um, uh, emissions problems from an exhaust system like a vehicle. They did have emissions problems, but it was a different kind of exhaust system. <laughs> and that ex exhaust system was a donkey or a camel or some sort of horse or whatever. And they, they, they just, you know, the bathroom was everywhere in the street. So their feet were dirty dusty and so jesus washed their feet because they had been walking through the world and they got all dirty it's prophetic do you see it it's prophetic so um 
Jesus says, wash feet. And we'll get to that other point here uh, in a little bit, but at the end of this. But for, for verse 15, for I have given you a what? An example that you should what? Do as I have done to you. You should do this. Most assuredly, verse 16, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than, than he who sent him. Now, I'm, I, am, I believe the word of God. I believe in Ephesians 2, 6, that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I believe that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. And that spirit quickens and makes alive our mortal bodies. I believe that we are to lay hands on the sick. I believe that we are to function in the gifts of the spirit. I believe that we have authority. But I know this as well. This is a truth right here too. A servant is never greater than his master. And people say, well, I'm not a servant. I'm a son. You may be a son or daughter of God, but you are not greater than your master. And you never will be. Being seated in Christ next to the Father does not make you God. It makes you a child of God. It makes you in covenant with Jesus Christ. But it does not make you God. You do not have authority over Jesus. You have to follow his leading. We need to take a submissive attitude, a following attitude to the Lord Jesus Christ and the structure of the church that he has set up in accordance with the scriptures in balance. So I just want to say that because it's so vitally important. Sometimes I feel like um, in all the revelation and the truth that we do have concerning our nature in Christ, that we can just that people have this idea like I can just do, I can just do whatever I want because I have the authority of uh, in Jesus' name, and there are boundaries to that authority when it comes to outside of you. But then there's also boundaries in that authority inside of your covenant with Jesus Christ. You are what? A servant. He is the master. We are the sent one and we are not greater than the one who sent us. And so we need to realize that good truths that we learned from the price that Jesus paid from the days leading up. If you know these things, verse 17, blessed are you if you know them. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. Blessed are you if you what? Do them. Knowing is not enough. You must do. You know what this scripture reminds me of? James. Where did James get his revelation on? Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer because the doer will be what? Blessed in what he does. James plagiarized Jesus. He stole the words. I know, they're his words. They're the Lord's words. It's what the, the Holy Spirit was emphasizing at that time. But this is not a new con. James didn't come up with some new concept. He got his revelation by the Holy Spirit from the life of Jesus, from the Holy Scriptures, from the, from the prophets, the law and the prophets. What is the law and the prophets? It's the Old Testament. It's what we call the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. It's the Scriptures. When they referred to the scriptures, they were talking about everything from Genesis all the way up to Malachi. And maybe even, you know, well, the Gospels were written later. But you understand what I'm saying here. They were digging and bringing from the life of Jesus, the prophetic, the law, all those things that were referencing Jesus and then taking that and moving forward. And I can readily see we're not going to get anywhere near the end of where I want to get. But that's okay. I trust you're getting something. 
So we see here that the blessing comes to those who know and do what Jesus said and did. Love motivated Jesus to give his life for the world and to wash the feet of his disciples. All service should be humble regardless of status. In this regard, both servant and master are on the same level. Jesus sets in motion a pattern for true service for all time for all of his disciples. Now here's where some of you are going to be relieved about the foot washing. Foot washing in the in the context in this context thus approaches the importance of other ordinances of the church. Because he goes into communion next and it's all tied together. It's pretty interesting. But, it is, but its specific expression arises out of a cultural context in a different way from the ordinances. In our modern society, in other words, foot washing may need recontextualizing. That is, some other service may need to be done in the same attitude. So what is Jesus telling us right before he goes to the cross? This is an attitude. This is a way of thinking. This is a way of doing things. It's humility. It's service. To wash one another's feet or to give one's life can take many forms. It can take many forms. All right. Let's uh, skip on down. I'm actually going to skip through uh, where Jesus, the Last Supper there. And I'm going to go to John chapter 14. And I want to read over just a couple of passages here. Um, because like I said before, we're just not going to be able to get through it all. But I want to start in verse 1 here. It says this, Jesus said this. Now remember, these, this is, we're talking about the price he paid. These are the important things that Jesus felt necessary to share, uh, some of them, before he went to the cross. Look at this. Let not your heart be troubled. This is a word for now. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it. You know, uh, some of you watching, uh, you may have heard me say this before, uh, to shut off the news, and you haven't done it, and you're still praying about why you're anxious. Stop praying. Shut off the news. Don't listen. Don't People say, well, you're just saying stick my head in the sand, and I need to know what's going on. Is that what the Lord said? Did the Lord say... Uh, don't let your heart be troubled, but go ahead and watch everything that troubles it. Some of, you, some of you are doing this, and you don't realize you're doing it, so I want to help you with this right here. Hear me out. Don't, get just, don't just get mad at me. Hear me out. You're asking the Lord to do something for you that he told you to do. You're ignoring other things that he said to you where he said, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And then you're praying and it's not happening the way you want it to because you haven't shut off this other thing that the Lord has told you to do through me and through others. And then your heart's all anxious and then you go to prayer and then now what the devil's telling you is that the Lord doesn't do what he said he would do. And the truth of the matter is, is you have not done what the Lord told you to do. Shut off the news. People say, well, the news is here to help us. 
I'm not going to go there right now, but I'll just tell you this. It's a program. They're trying to program you. And they're all parroting much the same thing. And people say, well, I'm watching Fox News. (laughs) Sorry, that's not enough. Jesus didn't say in the scripture, watch Fox News and your heart won't be troubled. You say, do you have to make it so plain? Well, I'd like you to be free. And if you weren't so hard-headed and rebellious about it, you'd be free by now. And I bless you in Jesus' name. You say, why, do you, why does it have to be? Listen, you can why, why, why all you want, but until you yield to the Lord, you're not going to get the freedom you want. And you can blame God all you want, but it'll never be his fault. You need to yield and repent. Change the way you're thinking. Change the way you're operating. Yield to the Lord. What does he say? Let not your heart be troubled. Who did he say that to? He said it to the disciples, but it's to us as well. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Here we see Jesus paid the price for our freedom from a troubled heart. What is a troubled heart? Troubled means to be uncertain or agitated. The idea is like water rolling. Your heart, people that are agitated in heart, their, their heart is rolling like water. They're up, they're down, they're left, they're right, they're all over the place. It shows all over their face, it comes out in their words. They're all over the place. Why? Because they've allowed themselves to be troubled. How did I allow myself to be troubled? What are you focusing on? The picture of water rolling shows me that a person can be up and down, side to side, on the inside. The command is to believe or to have faith in God and Jesus. This is done by a decision on our part to put trust, to put our trust in God and Jesus. By putting our trust in God and Jesus, we stop our hearts from being troubled. Now listen to me because I want you to hear this. And then we'll go to one other verse and then we'll wrap it up in John 14. I want you to hear this. Jesus said, you let not your heart be troubled. He did not say, beg me to take over your heart and I'll stop it. Now, hear me out. You need to say, when you read this verse, if you're one that's been given to fear for a long time and worry for a long time, you need to say out of your mouth, Lord, you said, I don't have to let my heart be troubled. So I put my heart in trust and belief in you and the Father. You say, you say, can you do that? You have a free will. Use it. Exercise it. You have a free will. Use it. Exercise it. Put your heart in trust. Cut off everything that, is, that leads your heart into fear. Some of you are watching. Cut off everything that leads, your, leads your, your flesh and everything into lust. I'm not just talking about sexual sin. I'm talking about cars, boats, uh, fishing rods, guns, uh, you know, sports memory. I don't care what it is. If it owns you, get rid of it. You say, where am I going to put it? What am I going to do? Listen, pray and ask the Lord. He'll show you what to do with it. Well, I spent so much money on this. Okay, 
then the money controls you, not God. This is such a fun road we're on. Just rabbit trail. I just love it. My brother will text me. He'll say, you chasing that rabbit. I'm going to chase that rabbit too until I kill it. But in other words, you say, why, why, why are you, why bring it up that way? It's not me. It's the spirit of God dealing with you. I just get to be, don't shoot the messenger. The truth is the messenger always gets stoned. It just is the truth. But I understand where I'm at in this. So get rid of stuff. People say, well, I just can't. Nope. You won't. Stop lying to yourself. You can get rid of anything. Well, I just, I love this thing. Mm -hmm. You do. You're right. And it owns you. And it's idol worship. So I recommend you get rid of it. Do what you got to do. All right, moving on. God will give you the strength. Lastly, let's go down to John chapter, or in John 14, sorry. Let's go down to uh, verse number Ah, 15, right here. Let's just end with the leading of the Holy Spirit right here. Jesus said this, if you, if you love me, verse 15, this is John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you for in just in times of trouble uh, for, for a little bit. You'll feel his presence only when you're first saved. <laughs> you say, why do you say this stuff? Because people say this stuff to me. They come up to me and say, well, I used to feel God and now I don't. I think the Holy Spirit left me. No, the scripture says he's with you forever. Stop believing your feelings over the word. Another means what? It means one of the same sort. That means you have the Holy Spirit with you if you're born again. And he's just like Jesus was to the disciples. People say, oh, I want to go back and live when Jesus did. No, you don't. No, you don't. Why? You're actually, Jesus said this. He said, it's better that I go away. We need to believe those words. Thank you, Lord, that you went away. It's better this way. To some people, that sounds blasphemous. I'm quoting Jesus. I'm quoting him. It's blasphemous if you think otherwise. He says another, a helper. What is the helper? He's a counselor. He's an advocate. Let me ask you a question. He's a standby. He's a strengthener. See, you're never alone. You're not alone right now. The scripture says he wouldn't leave you as an orphan. So don't run around going, I'm all alone. I'm all alone. I'm going to die alone. That's a lie. You're born again. You're never alone. And besides that, if you need a church home, we're available as soon as the quarantine's up. Come we're here and you'll have a home because he says he sets the desolate in families. He sets those that are orphans in families, into faith families. And then he teaches them. We have the Holy Spirit who is one just like the Father. This is the price Jesus paid for us. These are the words he said to us right before he left. They're very important. He said he would send him to us. He's our strengthener, our standby, our counselor, our helper. He's our advocate. Think about this. Jesus prayed to the Father for me and you. Do you think Jesus' prayers get answered? Ooh, it's a sure deal. It's a sure deal. Then we have the Holy Spirit available. Jesus paid the price. He did so 
Jesus prayed, paid the price. He did so that we could have the Holy Spirit, the helper who abides with us forever. With the fear-mongering that is going on in the news media, trying to paint a picture of you dying alone because of COVID-19, we as believers can know that the Holy Spirit abides with us forever. We are never alone. I will never be alone. I refuse the feelings of alone. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit within me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He's my comforter. He's my standby. He's my helper. He's yours as well. You need to declare these things. Declare the covenant. Jesus paid the price. He said he would give us the spirit of truth. Verse 17. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Knows him, But you know him. Say it with me. I know him. For he dwells with me and, and is at this point. This says will be in me. Jesus actually said to them, he dwells with you and will be in you. This is wonderful. Look at this promise right here. And this is where I'm stopping, right here. I only went seven minutes over. Praise the Lord. Seven minutes and 25 seconds. This is powerful. Look at this truth. He dwells with you and is in you. I love this. Because I like Holy Ghost goosebumps. I like all the feelings God has for me. But I also love the truth that he's in me. What does this mean? This means that the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. Which means we cannot be deceived. Come on. We got to believe this. People say, no, no, you know, anybody could be deceived. Anybody who's not listening to the Holy Spirit as a believer can be deceived. I'll agree with you there. But that's not what the Lord promised here. He didn't say, I'm going to give you the spirit of truth, but sometimes he's not going to work and you're going to be deceived. That's not what he said. We need to get that religious thinking out of our minds. I'm not saying we don't have religious thinking. I'm saying we need to get it out. If... If we yield to the Lord, he's the spirit of truth and he'll reveal truth to us. When we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit within, we will not be deceived. There are 30 some verses in the New Testament that talk about deception. We do not have to be deceived by anything. Jesus paid the price for us to know the Holy Spirit and for us to experience the outward and inward presence of the Holy Spirit, who will never leave us. He will never leave us. Let's pray. And I'm going to declare Psalms 91 as we go. Right before, as we wrap up here. Father God, we just thank you in the name of Jesus for your word. Lord, I thank you that your word is going forth in power because it's your word. It's your anointing. It's your graces. It's your giftings. Father, we would have nothing and be nothing if it wasn't for you. Lord, we give you all the glory for every breakthrough, every chain that was broken tonight, every eye that was open to your truth, every person that was set free because of the anointed word of God, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We just give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it all. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us an example to follow in your humility, in loving us to the very end, in washing feet, in being an example of love, service, humility, no matter our 
our position of authority, whether it be master or servant, whether it be boss or, or employee, whether it be parent or child, no matter what it is, Lord, we can all serve from the, from the, from the example that you've given us and the empowerment that you've placed within us by your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we saw in John 14, Lord, that you've given us the Holy Spirit, that we don't have to be afraid. We're never alone. We're never by ourselves because we have the Holy Spirit with us. We're never alone. We're never alone. We're never alone. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Lord, we combat those lies that people are dealing with right now, those fears that people are dealing with right now. And in the name of Jesus, I speak to those fears. I speak to those demonic influences in those people's homes that that maybe are sitting by themselves physically but lord they're not alone because they're your child you've placed them within a family holy spirit i pray right now that you rise up within them with the spirit of the resurrection that they will come out of their mouths where they're at that we're never alone we're never alone we're never alone and i just come against you satan in the name of jesus and your lies your fears in the name of jesus and i declare according to the word of the lord that it is the anointing it is the anointing that destroys yokes and removes burdens and i declare peace over houses peace over minds peace over bodies wholeness in their lives in the name of jesus over the children peace and wholeness over the parents peace and wholeness i'm telling you by the spirit of god right now that we have turned a corner on this situation and God is going to get all the praise and the glory and great breakthrough is coming for faith family church I know it in my heart and so Lord I do as we close I declare Psalms 91 you said this Lord that he who dwells in the secret place of the most high I declare it over our church I declare it over my family and the families that we pastor that are watching Lord and the, and the, and the families that are represented here Lord Father I just declare these truths by faith over the sheep and over ourselves Lord in our covenant with you I will say of the Lord, He is our refuge and our fortress. Our God in Him we do trust. Surely He delivers us from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He covers us with His wings and under His wings we take refuge. His truth is our shield and our buckler. We are not afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. Only with our eyes shall we see uh, shall we look and see the reward of the wicked? Because we have made the Lord who is our refuge, even the most high, our dwelling place. No evil will befall us, nor shall any plague come near our dwelling. For you have given your angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. In their hands they bear us up, lest we dash our foot against a stone. We tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent we trample underfoot. Because, Lord, you said to us, because we have set our love upon you, therefore you deliver us. You set us on high because we have known your name. We call upon you and you always answer us. You always answer us. You are with us in trouble. You deliver us and honor us. And with long life, you satisfy us and show us your salvation. Lord, we believe it. We declare it. We receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for watching tonight. We bless you guys. Um, join us Sunday at 1030. We're going to be here again. And we're going to finish up the second part of this. And hopefully we get further. But... We'll get the right stuff no matter what because the Lord leads and guides us.
If you want to see our schedule and what's going on, please go to the website, faithfamilybillings.com. Go under the events tab and you can catch up with everything there. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.